0: The Sixth Day God said, Let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, and animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind, and the livestock after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. God said, Let's make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed which is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which bears fruit yielding seed. It will be your food. To every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Almighty God, we beseech you, graciously behold this your family, for which our Lord Jesus Christ was contented to be betrayed, and given up into the hands of wicked men, and to suffer death upon the cross." Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The Old Testament lesson for Good Friday is written in the 52nd and 53rd chapters of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the 13th verse. Behold, my servant will deal wisely. He will be exalted and lifted up and will be very high, just as many were astonished at you. His appearance was marred more than any man, and his form was more than the sons of men. So he will cleanse many nations, kings will shut their mouths at him, for they will see that which had not been told them, and they will understand that which they had not heard. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord's arm been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no good looks or majesty. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering and acquainted with disease. He was despised as one from whom men hide their face, and we didn't respect him. Surely he has borne our sickness, and carried our suffering. Yet we considered him plagued, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he didn't open his mouth. As a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. He was taken away by oppression and judgment. As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, and stricken for the disobedience of my people, they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has caused him to suffer. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the Lord's pleasure will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light and be satisfied. My righteous servant will justify many by the knowledge of himself, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion with the great, he will divide the plunder with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was counted with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive the work in the midst of the year. In the midst of the years make known, in wrath remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. Merciful and everlasting God, who has not spared your only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, that He might bear our sins upon the cross. Grant that our hearts may be so fixed with steadfast faith in Him, that we may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Epistle is written in the fifth chapter of the second epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the fourteenth verse. Brothers, for the love of Christ constrains us, because we judge thus. That one died for all, therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live to themselves, but to him who for their sakes died and rose again. Therefore we know no one after the flesh from now on. Even though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now we know him so no more. Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, The old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. But all things are of God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning to them their trespasses, and having committed to us the word of reconciliation." We are therefore ambassadors on behalf of Christ, as though God were entreating by us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For him who knew no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Who hath believed our report? and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Almighty and everlasting God, who has willed that your Son should bear for us the pains of the cross that you might remove from us the power of the adversary, help us so to remember and give thanks for our Lord's passion that we may obtain remission of sins and redemption from everlasting death. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips." Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man, who have purposed to overthrow my goings. The proud have hid a snare for me, and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me. I said unto the Lord, Thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God the Lord, the strength of my salvation. Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name, the upright shall dwell in thy presence." of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, into which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Judas then having taken a detachment of soldiers and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that were happening to him, went out and said to them, Who are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas also, who betrayed him, was standing there, When therefore he said to them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Again therefore he asked them, Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. That the word might be fulfilled which he spoke, Of those whom you have given me, I have lost none. Simon Peter, therefore, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus, therefore, said to Peter, Put the sword into its sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not surely drink it? The detachment, the commanding officer, and the officers of the Jews, seized Jesus and bound him, and led him to Annas first, for he was father in law to Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should perish for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and entered in with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then the maid who kept the door said to Peter, Are you also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers were standing there, having made a fire of coals, for it was cold. They were warming themselves. Peter was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest, therefore, asked Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. I said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Behold, they know the things which I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing by slapped Jesus with his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, testify of the evil. But if well, why do you beat me? Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said therefore to him, You aren't also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Peter therefore denied it again, and immediately the rooster crowed. They led Jesus, therefore, from Caiaphas into the praetorium. It was early, and they themselves didn't enter into the praetorium, that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Pilate, therefore, went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't an evildoer, we wouldn't have delivered him up to you. Pilate, therefore, said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your own law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is illegal for us to put any one to death, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he should die. Pilate therefore entered again into the praetorium, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Do you say this by yourself? or do others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight, that I wouldn't be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this reason I have been born, and for this reason I have come into the world, that I should testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no basis for a charge against him. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Therefore, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all shouted again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So Pilate then took Jesus and flogged him. The soldiers twisted thorns into a crown and put it on his head and dressed him in a purple garment. They kept saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they kept slapping him. Then Pilate went out again and said to them, Behold, I bring him out to you that you may know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus therefore came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple garment. Pilate said to them, Behold the man! When therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they shouted, saying, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When therefore Pilate heard this saying, he was more afraid. He entered into the praetorium again, and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Aren't you speaking to me? Don't you know that I have power to release you, and have power to crucify you? JESUS ANSWERED, YOU WOULD HAVE NO POWER AT ALL AGAINST ME, UNLESS IT WERE GIVEN TO YOU FROM ABOVE. THEREFORE, HE WHO DELIVERED ME TO YOU HAS GREATER SIN. AT THIS, PILATE WAS SEEKING TO RELEASE HIM, BUT THE JEWS CRIED OUT, SAYING, IF YOU RELEASE THIS MAN, YOU AREN'T CAESAR'S FRIEND. EVERYONE WHO MAKES HIMSELF A KING SPEAKS AGAINST CAESAR. When Pilate therefore heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat on the judgment seat at a place called the Pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, at about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. He went out, bearing his cross, to the place called the Place of a Skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and with him two others, on either side one, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate wrote a title also, and put it on the cross. There was written, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The chief priests of the Jews, therefore, said to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but he said I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top throughout. Then they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it will be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They parted my garments among them, for my cloak they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. standing by Jesus' cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Therefore, when Jesus saw his mother, and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, seeing that all things were now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. Now a vessel full of vinegar was set there. So they put a sponge full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it at his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. For the Jews, because it was the preparation day, so that the bodies wouldn't remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked of Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Therefore the soldiers came, and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was already dead, they didn't break his legs. However, One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. He who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, that you may believe. For these things happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him will not be broken, and another scripture says they will look on him whom they pierced. After these things Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked of Pilate that he might take away Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission. He came therefore and took away his body. Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred Roman pounds. So they took Jesus' body, and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden. In the garden was a new tomb in which no man had ever yet been laid. Then because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was near at hand, they laid Jesus there. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. In Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was delivered up to death that he might quicken his people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight, this is it. This is everything. Christianity is the flesh and blood of Christ. Christianity is Christ crucified. If justification is the article, the teaching on which the church stands or falls, then celebrating Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter morning is the liturgy on which the church stands or falls. For if we don't understand or preach rightly what Christ crucified and resurrected means, then we're not going to understand or preach it right on any other Sunday or feast day in the year either. This is everything. And Paul tonight teaches that Christ crucified is everything. He begins in the epistle, he says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, from the scriptures with the Spirit, he means, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. One has died for all, therefore all have died. And Walther beautifully explains what Paul is saying when he says, Since Christ died, it is the same as if all men, that is, every man, had suffered death for their sins. That is, It is as every man died the death which Christ died. It is the same as if all had atoned for their sins by their death. And so Walther explained St. Paul here. By the death of Christ, the entire world has died, and all men have been redeemed. Because Christ died the death for us all, so in God's eyes, we have all died to sin. It is not enough to say that Christ died for some and not others, that Christ died only for the saved but not the damned. To teach such a thing would be to rob Christ of the works of his humiliation, which would be to rob him of his atonement for us, would be to rob him of his glory and his majesty. For our sake he died, he emptied himself completely for all. By his poverty, his suffering, his crucifixion, his death, he poured out himself completely so that his blood wiped away the sins of the entire world. In our gospel account, our Lord tells Peter, Put your sword into its sheath, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? The Father's cup is the cup of his wrath towards the sins of the entire world. That's the cup the Father gives to the Son. To say that Christ did not die for the sins of the entire world would be to say that Christ did not empty himself out completely for all, as if he was holding something back from those that are damned. It would be to say that Christ did not drink the entire cup which the Father had given him, as if he drank a portion of the cup for those he just wanted to save, but then kept a little bit in the cup for those he wanted to be damned. But Paul doesn't say that. Instead, Paul tells us that on the cross, Christ died and emptied himself out for all, every man. In the gospel, Jesus tells those around the cross, I thirst. He wasn't telling them because of some physical thirst that he had, although maybe he was thirsty. He doesn't say that for his own sake, but he says that for our sake. Because he was then finishing the Father's cup to its final, most bitter dregs. That's why he drank. That's why he thirsted. He wanted to finish the Father's cup. He took the wrath meant for the world and drank that cup to the very last bitter drop. So we call this the vicarious satisfaction of the cross. Because in your stead, vicariously, Christ died and won forgiveness for your sins. Satisfying, vicariously satisfying the Father's wrath in your stead. And we see this in the garden. When Christ tells those who have come to arrest him, if you seek me, let these men, that is all men, go. As if he was telling that to the Father's wrath. If you seek me, let these men, let all men, let the world go. For he came to take our place, to face the enemies of man, like the enemies of the Sanhedrin, who were like the devil, accusing us of sin at every turn. He took our place and being abandoned by even his closest friends, while he was also betrayed by his closest friend. He takes the place of Peter and us when we deny him. He takes the place of Pilate and us, where even when we look into the face of the truth himself, what do we do when we sin? We snort and we chide the truth and refuse to believe the truth even when the truth himself stares us back into the face. We are Barnabas. We are those who commit blasphemy, and Christ took our place. For nearly every word that Pilate speaks from his judgment seat Is God the Father speaking through him? It is the Father speaking and proclaiming that Jesus is innocent, and he proclaims it not once or twice, but three times. It is the Father releasing Barabbas, releasing us instead of his own son. It is the Father there handing his son over to be crucified in our place while we are set free. He is sent to die to become sin for us while we in baptism get to wear his perfect, seamless tunic of righteousness that is stripped off of him. This is the vicarious satisfaction of our Lord, for he took our place hanging in the shame of his nakedness on the cross to make satisfaction for us while we are released to wear his robe of righteousness. For one has died for all, that we may all die in him. For our sake the one rose, so that we may live not for ourselves now, but for him. So St. Paul says, From now on, therefore, we who live for him, regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Having died in Christ by the waters of baptism, we now live for him in this way, We regard no one, not even Christ, according to the flesh. For Christ we now know not by his walking about earth, as he did during his ministry, as just looking like every other man, but we know him now by the word, the water, the spirit in our baptism and catechesis, so that in baptism, living for him, we no longer regard anyone by the flesh, by the rights or the wrongs that they've done to us but we regard them by the Spirit of Christ. In other words, we regard everyone as someone for whom Christ crucified has died, so that if they are precious enough for the Son of Die to come and die and rise for them, they are precious to us as those for whom our Lord has died as well. So we suffer their sins, we suffer their insults, we suffer their unbelief, and we love them and forgive them as one for whom Christ has died. And for this, there is no exception. Because every human being, from Adam to the last child born, as one pastor put it, from Adam to the last child born, everyone is someone for whom Christ has died. So then we see everyone either as our brother in Christ, its fellow believers, or as someone who is lost that needs the love and forgiveness of Christ. There is no other third option. So we live for Christ by regarding nobody by the flesh. And St. Paul goes on, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Having died in Christ by the waters of baptism, we now live for him in the waters this way, as his own new creation. We saw this in the creed throughout Lent. All of this is God's work. He drives all the verbs in the Apostles' Creed. He created us. He redeemed us in his suffering, death, and resurrection. He sanctifies us, and we do none of it. He does it all our being a new creation is not our work in whole. It is not our work even in the tiniest fraction of a part. It is all his work, which we heard tonight in the Passion, so that our entire hope, our trust, our fear, our belief, our faith ought to be entirely in him alone. Nothing else. He does it all. No one else. For by his death and the forgiveness he won on the cross, the entire world, every single man, has been reconciled by God to himself in Christ. Again, there are no exceptions. Everyone, the entire world, has been reconciled by God to himself in Christ. Again, if we were to say that some were reconciled to God in Christ, but not others, we'd be saying that Christ's redemption was not complete, that his reconciliation was not whole, it was only in part. To say such a thing would be to deny God's gift, to deny the certainty of faith in Christ's death and resurrection. But that's not what our Lord says on the cross. Our Lord says on the cross, It is finished! Accomplished. Fulfilled. All of it. Every last part of it. The redemption of every man. The reconciliation of the world. Is finished. There is nothing more to do. If we lose or forsake the teaching that Christ reconciled the entire world, then our scriptures become all law and no gospel. Because everything would be turned into our work trying to earn God's favor. Baptism would become our work. Preaching would be only about instruction on what to do in our lives to earn God's favor. The Lord's Supper would not be about what we receive, but about us offering God's body and blood to God. (laughs) Good works would be either to prove to God and others we are part of the saved, or it would be to earn God's grace or salvation for ourselves. And so we reject all of that because Christ said, it is finished as he died. And from this, Paul teaches us, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. If Christ died for our redemption, if God reconciled the world to himself in Christ, well, how does that redemption and reconciliation come to us? If it's finished, how does it come to us? But well, Paul tells us, he says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You are redeemed. You are reconciled to God. You are a new creation in Christ by the ministry of reconciliation. That is, by the office of the keys, the office of the ministry, where God speaks and works through one man to offer you his gospel. So that in the reconciliation of baptism, baptized in the water and blood which flowed from Christ's side, you are reconciled to the Father. Because in baptism, where the blood and water leave his side, is where you enter into the body of Christ himself. And that's how you die and rise in him. In the reconciliation of the word, God preaches to you from the pulpit that Christ crucified consummated your reconciliation with him. In the reconciliation of the supper, here you eat the body which was pierced and drink from the blood and water that was shed. Here you eat of Christ once and for all sacrifice, his once for all atonement. And you enter in and remain in his new covenant where the Father promises to forgive your sins and to not count your trespasses against you because of the blood shed there. Yes, it's true that men in their hardness of hearts may reject baptism and the Word and the Supper, reject God's redemption and reconciliation, and in so doing they reject Christ's sacrifice for them on the cross. But the rejection of Christ does not mean Christ did not still die for the world. He did. And since he died for the world, all men are invited to enter the church by the water and the word and faith, to enter the body of Christ by way of baptism, by the ministry of reconciliation where Christ crucified is given to them. This ministry of reconciliation is born on the cross as St. John testifies. So that Paul says of the ministry of reconciliation, therefore we are ambassadors, really you could say priests or pastors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For those of us who are faithful pastors, it is not us who plead with you in our sermons, in our teachings, but it is God himself who pleads through us to you. We're just a face, a face to be hidden. The voice is God's. And God's plea to you through us is this. Be reconciled to God in Christ. Christ. And notice how all this is passive. He doesn't say reconcile yourself. He says, be reconciled. Let yourself be reconciled. So don't try to reconcile yourself. You can't. But be reconciled by and in Christ. Every pastor who preaches and teaches faithfully, this is always the plea. This is the message every Sunday. This is the one purpose for why we do what we do. Be reconciled in Christ. Or as Peter put it on Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Peter and Paul, they're saying the same thing. This is the article of justification on which every pastor, every church, every ministry of reconciliation stands or falls. Be reconciled to God in Christ. And as a pastor, the one true desire, perhaps you could even say sometimes a complaint, the only consistent complaint or desire that I've ever heard from any faithful pastor is this. You, the church, you, the people, don't demand the ministry of reconciliation more. As the world grows darker and calamity intensifies in these last days, all of us need the ministry of reconciliation more and more. As the world grows darker, you're not demanding the word to be preached more. You're not demanding that baptism be practiced more. That is, you're not demanding private confession and absolution enough when the devil and the conscience terrorize you. You don't demand the Lord's Supper even more frequently because it can be taken more often than just on Sundays and feast days. It's yours. All of this is yours. The ministry of reconciliation is yours by right of your baptism. Demand it. Demand more of the ministry of reconciliation for you. Make my job busier. That's what we want. As we bemoan the world and the culture becoming more depraved in its endless debauchery, we don't moan as those who have no hope. Instead, demand the ministry of reconciliation more often. Demand that your faith be nourished and strengthened more often. I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I say that to, make, to have you come up and receive more of this ministry of reconciliation. Because this is it. This is everything. Christianity is the flesh and blood of Christ. It is Christ crucified and risen for you, given to you in the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. All
1: forth, of all. The burden sharing Goes patient on grows weak and faint To slaughter led Without complaint That spotless life to offer then shame and strife's and mockery and Willing all this I saw, Yeah.
0: When he received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Brothers, let us pray for the whole Christian church that our Lord God would vouchsafe to defend her against all the assaults and temptations of the adversary, and to keep her perpetually upon the true foundation, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Let us kneel almighty and everlasting god who revealed your glory to all nations in jesus christ and the word of his truth keep we beseech you in safety the works of your mercy that so your church spread throughout all nations may serve you in true faith and persevere in the confession of your name through jesus christ our lord amen let us pray also for all pastors those dedicated to work in the Church for all confessors, virgins, widows, and for all the holy people of God. Let us pray, let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose Spirit the whole body of the Church is sanctified and ruled, hear our supplications for all the offices and callings thereof, that by the gift of your grace all, in their several stations, may faithfully serve you, through Christ our Lord. Amen. let us pray for our catechumens that our lord god would open their hearts and the door of his mercy that having received the remission of all their sins by the washing of regeneration they may be mindful of their baptismal covenant and evermore be found in christ jesus our lord let us pray let us kneel almighty and everlasting god who always makes your church fruitful with new offspring. Increase the faith and understanding of our catechumens, that being born again in the font of baptism, they may be numbered among the children of your adoption. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for all in authority, and especially for the government of these United States that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Let us pray. Let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, who holds in your hand all the might of man, and who has ordained the powers that be for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, and of whom is all rule and authority in the kingdoms of the world, we humbly beseech you, graciously regard your servants. Joseph, the President of these United States, Kim, the Governor of this state, our Judges and Magistrates, and all the rulers of the earth, that all who receive the sword as your ministers may bear it according to your commandment. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray to God the Father Almighty, that he would cleanse the world of all errors, take away diseases, drive away famine, Set free all those who are in chains and bondage. Grant health to the sick and a safe return to all travelers. Let us pray. Let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, the consolation of the sorrowful and the strength of those that labor, let the prayers of those that call upon you in any tribulation graciously come before you, that all may rejoice that in their necessities Your mercy has helped them. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for heretics and schismatics, that our Lord God would be pleased to rescue them from all errors and recall them to the purity of the world in the one holy Catholic and apostolic Church. Let us pray. Let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, who saves all and wills that none should perish, Regard the souls which are by diabolical deceit, that having set aside all heretical evil, the hearts of those that err may repent and return to the unity of your truth. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us also pray for his ancient people, that our God and Lord would lift the veil from their hearts, that they indeed may acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, who drives not away from your mercy even your ancient people, hear our prayers, which we offer for their blindness, that acknowledging the light of your truth, which is Christ, they may be rescued from their darkness. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the heathen, that Almighty God would remove iniquity from their hearts, that putting aside all their idols, they may be converted to the true and living God and His only Son, Jesus Christ, our God and Lord. Let us pray, let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, who always seeks not the death, but the life of sinners, mercifully hear our prayer and deliver them from the worship of idols and join them to Your holy church for the praise and glory of Your name. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. Let us pray for peace, that we may come to the knowledge of God's holy word and walk before him as is becoming for Christians. Let us pray, let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, King of glory and Lord of heaven and earth, by whose spirit all things are governed, by whose providence all things are ordered, who is the God of peace and the author of all concord, Grant us, we beseech you, your heavenly peace and concord, that we may serve you in true fear, and to the praise and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for our enemies, that God would remember them in mercy, and graciously vouchsafe unto them such things as are both needful for them, and profitable unto their salvation. Let us pray, let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, who through your only Son, our blessed Lord, has commanded us to love our enemies, to do good to them that hate us, and to pray for them that persecute us, we earnestly beseech you that by your gracious visitation all our enemies may be led to true repentance and may have the same love and be of one accord and of one mind and heart with us and with the whole Christian church. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the fruits of the earth, that God would send down His blessing upon them and graciously dispose our hearts to enjoy them in submission to His holy will. Let us pray. Let us kneel. Almighty and everlasting God, who by Your Word has created and blesses and upholds all things, We pray you so to reveal unto us your word, our Lord Jesus Christ, that he, dwelling in our hearts, we may by your grace be made meet to receive your blessing on all the fruits of the earth and whatsoever pertains to our bodily need. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Finally, let us pray for all those things for which our Lord would have us ask, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Even the death of the cross. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified. WHEN THOU SPEAKEST, AND BE CLEAR WHEN THOU JUDGEST. BEHOLD, I WAS SHAPEN IN INIQUITY, AND IN SIN DID MY MOTHER CONCEIVE ME. BEHOLD, THOU DESIRETH TRUTH IN THE INWARD PARTS, AND IN THE HIDDEN PART THOU shalt MAKE ME TO KNOW WISDOM. CHRIST FOR OUR SAKES BECAME OBEDIENT UNTO DEATH, EVEN THE DEATH OF THE CROSS. PURGE ME WITH hyssop, AND I SHALL BE CLEAN. WASH ME, AND I SHALL BE WHITER THAN SNOW. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out mine iniquities. Christ, for our sakes, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Christ, for our sakes, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Christ, for our sakes, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. O Lord, open Thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth Thy praise. For Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, Thou wilt not despise. Christ, for our sakes, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Christ for our sakes became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the world. O come, let us worship him. (slurring) Behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the world. O come, let us worship him. (slurring) Behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the world. O come, let us worship him. Thus says the Lord, What have I done to you, O my people, and wherein have I offended you? Answer me, for I have raised you up out of the prison house of sin and death, and you have delivered up your Redeemer to be scourged. For I have redeemed you from the house of bondage, and you have nailed your Savior to the cross, O my people. Holy Lord God, holy and mighty God, Holy and most merciful Redeemer, God eternal, leave us not to bitter death. O Lord, have mercy. What have I done to you, O my people, and wherein have I offended you? Answer me. For I have conquered all your foes, and you have given me over and delivered me to those who persecute me. For I have fed you with my word and refreshed you with living water, and you have given me gall and vinegar to drink, O my people. Holy Lord God, holy and mighty God, Holy and most merciful Redeemer, God Eternal, allow us not to lose hope in the face of death and hell. O Lord, have mercy. the Lord. What have I done to you, O my people, and wherein have I offended you? Answer me. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? My people, is this how you thank your God? O my people. Holy Lord God, holy and mighty God, holy and most merciful Redeemer, God eternal, keep us steadfast in the true faith. O Lord, have mercy. We praise and glorify your holy resurrection. For behold, by the wood of your cross, joy has come into all the world. God be merciful to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us and have mercy upon us. We adore you, O Lord, and we praise and glorify your holy resurrection. For behold, by the wood of your cross, joy has come into all the world. I implore you, O Lord, that your abundant blessing may be upon your people who have held the passion and death of your Son in devout remembrance, that we may receive your pardon and the gift of your comfort, and may increase in faith and take hold of eternal salvation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.